One, two, three. Do it. Oh, Case on a deep drop. Steps up in the pocket. He'll fire to the right side. Caught by Diggs. Stay up. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. We are back in, back in football season, another edition of Scolders Podcast coming at you. I'm your host, Ed Brown Merkel. With me as always, Mike Anderson. How are we doing tonight, Mike? You know, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, I'm watching a little football action. Uh, I could use some more points scored in the game, but uh, it's nice to have the NFL back on TV. Mike, we made it. We made it, Mike. We did. I think if you look back at my Twitter, I was skeptical that we could that we would be here in September making it with football. But here we are. NFL did a great job. It's probably the first time and last time we're going to touch COVID for this show. Um, they've done a great job dealing with COVID, and I think all the teams are ready. It seems like everyone is healthy, at least from COVID-style illnesses. So great job yeah. by the NFL. We'll, we'll kind of see how that goes throughout the season, I, I'm sure. But so far, it's looking great. Yeah, I think they showed a graphic. They've done like 65,000 tests, and they've only had five new cases um, in that period of time. And uh, actually, tonight, the Houston-Kansas City here opener is one of two, I believe, teams that are starting out with fans. Uh, I think there's about 17,000 fans in the stadium. And according to Al and Chris, they're not boosting the audio uh, and the fans have actually been relatively loud. You could actually hear the crowd on certain downs. So um, kind of interesting from that standpoint. I think Jacksonville is the other team. But uh, uh, Also, imagine... Indianapolis is, is going to have about, I think, fifteen or 2,500, I think. Okay, yeah. And, and i got to imagine as we move forward and they understand how successful some of these teams were with the numbers they had, um, I would assume a majority of teams by the end of the year are going to have fans in the building. But, uh, you know, I think, as you mentioned, the the, the COVID chatter is, is probably suited for uh, another podcast. And, and, yeah, I'm just glad to be watching football. Yeah, it uh, doesn't quite feel real right now because we didn't have a preseason. But here we are, uh, a couple days away from the Viking season kicking off. And you know what? Skolders got you covered, all right? We understand. This has been a really weird offseason. It doesn't feel like it should be football yet, but here we are. We're going to hit all the things that you care about for the Vikings football. If you listen to nothing else, you want to listen to this podcast right now. We're going to catch you up on all the goings on this season, this offseason for the Vikings. We're going to get you ready for Green Bay. So, Mike, kick it off here. What, what, what are we starting with? Well, I think we got to start out with a little, uh, a little preseason summary, right? Uh, I think... As you mentioned, we want this show to be kind of quick, efficient, to the point, get you ready to rock in that uh, you know socially distanced garage party you might be attending uh, this weekend to watch uh, the Minnesota Vikings against the the dreaded rival from the East. So let's talk a little bit about the preseason, what went on. I think we got to start with the draft, right? Uh, Vikings ended that, up. That's the draft. That's the draft. Yeah, uh, you know we got to. We're going to talk through, I think, Vikings made, what was it, 15, 16, a couple 15, 16, 15 17 picks. picks. Uh, also moving up and down the board. So I think in the first round we dropped um, down to 29, I believe it was, from my original pick. Um, still got the guy we were eyeing anyway. 
just, I think it was just a beautiful draft from Rick and company, just beautifully executed. Like you said, 15 draft picks. If if you've ever heard the term youth movement, I think that's that epitomizes what the Vikings draft was all about. Um, obviously, we'll touch on a little bit here in free agency, but lost a lot of pieces, and you know what? We gained a lot of pieces through the draft. Um, yeah, I, th- I think you, you nailed it, and especially... You know, we'll touch on the cornerbacks here, but, you know, the Vikings started out with, with drafting Justin Jefferson, a wide receiver out of LSU. Uh, my number one target, uh, of course, when you take realism into account, kind of knowing where we were slated to pick, uh, I thought that was probably a, a slight reach. Um, some mock drafts had us had him falling right in that range. A lot of them had him going a handful of picks earlier. Uh, ultimately, the Eagles ended up going with uh, uh, Jalen Ragar. Yeah, Ra- yep. Rieger. Yeah, Ragar. No, yeah, R- Ragnar. Uh, uh, Ragnar. Yeah. Um, and so we we got Jefferson. I think it sounds like they're ecstatic. He's looked really great in preseason. Yeah. So a guy that can step in uh, will probably. And it's 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 way too early for this prediction, but a lot of people are predicting that this is going to be a Moss-like rookie season from Justin Jefferson. I'm not going to go there, but if that happens, I'm going to be ecstatic. I'm going to love every moment of it, and it's going to be amazing to watch. Um, but bottom line is this kid can play. He's on the Minnesota Vikings, and he's opposite Adam Thielen. He's going to have some chances. Yeah. He's going to step into I – mean, I mean, losing digs, there's a lot of targets that are gone. Uh, so there's going to be an opportunity to, to really see what he can do. Um, mm-hmm. We also will have B.C. Johnson step up into a much bigger role. He's looked fantastic, it sounds like, during the preseason – uh, but then sticking with the draft, we had, I believe, another first-round pick in Gladney. Uh, yeah, but this, this was that second first-round pick we had that I believe was our own pick um, that we traded to San Francisco, um, and then we still got Gladney. Yeah, so cornerback out of, I think, Florida, uh, and a guy that you know was relatively high on the corner list in the draft. Uh, a lot of teams had him as a, a Zimmer type guy going here to fit, you know, a scheme, be able to come in and probably play right away. Uh, I will say it's been very quiet uh, about him over the preseason. Now I know um, he kind of—I I think there was a point in time where he wasn't playing. He was—he had a few days off there for—I'm uh, not sure if he tweaked something or what—but it's been very quiet on the Gladney front. Uh, my understanding though is he's ready to rock for Week One. And is going to be, again, uh, it's going to be a common theme with, with a few of these rookies we go over. A guy that's going to step in and have a chance to prove himself right from the get-go. Right. Um, and j- just on this note, what's just happened in the, the free agent departures here? Because I think a lot of these draft picks are kind of revolving around this. So, um, Everson Griffin, obviously no longer with the team with Dallas now. Um, Trey Waynes, he's gone. Xavier Rhodes, he's gone. Mac Alexander, he's gone. Um Javon Kirst, he's gone. All these guys in secondary are gone. So, like you said, Gladney's going to have a chance to step up. Obviously, you still have Mike Hughes from last year. You have um, Holton Hill from last year. Some of these young guys that are still there that, that we're looking to, to develop. But you got Gladney and then Dantzler, who I believe was second and third-round pick. Third-round pick? Uh, I believe, it, unless we had two seconds, he's a third because I think Ezra Cleveland was the second-round pick. Let me double-check this. We, we should know this, Mike. We should know this, but well, I know he was our he was our fourth draft pick. I just don't recall. We had so many damn picks that I don't know if we had two two seconds or you know three thirds, whatever. Cameron um, Dantzler, um, round three, pick twenty five. Okay, there you go. So, um, um, and the unofficial uh, depth chart 
I, I believe had Gladney starting their cornerback. Yeah, I believe you're correct. Yeah, so starters, Mike Hughes, Holton Hill, no surprises there. We were expecting that. Backups, first backup, Jeff Gladney, second one, Cameron Dancer. So, um, obviously, Dancer's looked phenomenal in camp. You've probably seen and heard multiple stories about the kid. Um, this guy can play, and it's it's amazing that we got him in the third round, I think. Yeah, he's a uh, he's kind of a, a smaller, more of a wiry frame, but a very physical player. Uh, had a ton of success in college, uh, and just just seems like he's got endless potential here especially under Zimmer he was uh probably the the number one talked about player as you mentioned in the preseason and you know just because he's behind Gladney uh doesn't necessarily mean you're not going to see him more than Gladney or vice versa we have a, a gauntlet of quarterbacks starting out with Mr. Rogers this week and and uh we're really going to have a chance to see these players step up and it yep. should be a lot of fun to see you know what the secondary is made of for the next a handful of years because as you mentioned very young team i think our oldest cornerback is 23 years of age so this is a yeah. very young core uh of corners and, and and two points there so one point having a young group of cornerbacks like a, a young secondary gives you the boon of of them not being afraid to go out there and make some mistakes and go out there and try the chances at, at, at you know the pass breakups and the interceptions so I, I think you might see a bit of an explosive bit good and bad from the secondary where you're going to see a couple really really dangerous pick sixes or, or pickoffs and you're going to see a couple that they probably shouldn't have gone for and then the receiver goes for a touchdown because they went for the ball instead of playing playing the receiver all part of the learning process but i think it's going to be really fun to watch and also note right now we only have two safeties on the roster harrison smith and anthony harris so i wouldn't rule out one of these guys that's tagged to be a cornerback actually playing that kind of third safety role that we rolled out a couple times last year, actually a fair amount last year with um, J. Ron Curse of the world, you know, kind of that third roaming safety. I wouldn't be surprised if we see four cornerbacks and, and two safeties on the field at one time. Yeah. So yep. there's, a, there's, a, there's a lot of surprises we can do, especially with uh, um, the coaches that we have in this, this, in this building. They know how to move these chess pieces and they know how to move it effectively. So, Yes, sir. Um, so I would say, you know, that's a majority of the draft. Obviously, we're not a majority of the draft, but uh, the, the top end of the draft, the top third of the draft, uh, you know, still probably another five-ish guys that made the team from this rookie class, if not more. Uh, but I think we've, we've kind of hit on the main guys that are going to start to show up uh, early on. And then, you know, moving on to additions outside of the draft, we had Michael Pierce, uh, defensive tackle from, I believe, Baltimore signed. He was probably our biggest splash in free agency. Yep. Uh, he ended up opting out uh, due to the, the COVID concerns. So uh, his contract essentially just shifts down a year. Uh, basically, just pretend like we signed him this offseason, I believe, would be the easiest way to say that, correct? Yep, correct. That's exactly how that works. Um, obviously brought in to be replacement for the big goon, um, Linville Joseph, who is no longer with the team. Um, but you're exactly right on that. It's it's essentially as if we signed him in the 2021 offseason instead of the 2020 offseason. So, um, yeah. So a, a young stud, you know, uh, run stopper, a guy that can uh, get some pressure up front. Uh, I think a great fit for, again, a Zimmer type defense, but <laughs> we're going to have to wait until uh, 2021 to to see what he's able to do on on the football field. 
which would just give more opportunities for some of these younger guys to step up and, and maybe, you know, 2021, when he actually does join that D-line officially, you know, we're, we're just stacked with talent on that D-line, which is which is a really good problem to have. Yeah. Um, and actually his move, uh, and we can get into the, the cap, you know, maybe on a different show, but his move to push this to next year freed up, I think, around three, five million in cap space, uh, which actually played a big part into our next addition, uh, which is uh, Yannick Ngakwe. Uh, I believe I'm saying that correctly, uh, but actually a trade with Jacksonville. He was franchised by Jacksonville. We sent over, uh, I think, a second or third and a conditional fifth that can move up to a third. And uh, he came over, reworked a one-year deal because we were unable to negotiate a longer-term deal uh, at this point in time. Not saying that he couldn't decide to be here long-term just right now due to league rules. We couldn't negotiate that. Yep, and that's, that's uh, due to it being the franchise tag. Basically, the franchise yep. tag is negotiable, which is what he did in order to sign it. And so he took uh, about a five, six million dollar uh, dollar pay cut, uh, pretty substantial. But wanted to get out of Jacksonville. Comes in, is on the opposite end of the D line from Daniel Hunter, uh, who unfortunately, as as we'll get to here, is out for the first uh, three ish weeks. Well, three weeks for sure. Uh, but really, uh, think of Daniel Hunter, but on the other end, uh, really a force. He's got the most forced fumbles. Uh, I think in the last couple of years in the NFL, a guy that uh, can get to the quarterback and, and really disrupt, uh, you know, cause some pressure. And I think when you pair that with Hunter, uh, Vikings fans have got to be salivating at those two ends coming in from each side. And then you look at the Kendricks bar uh, opportunity to bring some pressure uh, from the middle as well. And, and certainly with the young secondary, you have to assume that pressure is going to be a real key component to this defense this year. Absolutely. And, um, I have a, a question because I, I think from what I understand is uh, Yannick plays Daniel Hunter's position, or he did in Jacksonville, that same side, and he would be switching over. So it, it's a good possibility that with Daniel being out for the first three weeks, he could just straight up replace Daniel um, for the, the next three weeks in his normal spot. Yeah, and I guess all I'll say is I've, I've watched a few highlight videos on him, and I've seen him on both, both sides. Okay. Uh, and obviously – you know, we've seen Hunter and Griffin switch around as well. Uh, so I'm not you, – you could very well be right where his side is is the Neals, but I certainly have seen highlights of him getting pressure and getting sacks from both sides of the line. Well, I believe we've seen that at least a couple snaps over the last couple of years of Daniel kind of switching sides and giving different looks. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's not like it's a hard swat, a switch for those guys. The moves are generally the same. It's just a little bit of a different approach of how they do it. So – um, yeah, definitely a good addition. Definitely very good addition, considering the Daniel Hunter being out for at least three weeks. Also wanted to touch on this a little bit. The IR this season only is a three-week minimum, and you can do it unlimited times for unlimited players. Which honestly is how it should be every year. But because of COVID, that's why they, it's a three-week IR. So. If you're confused by that, it's just the 2020 rule, which I'm hoping they adopt long-term, but that's why it's three weeks. Yeah, so I get loud and clear. Daniil Hunter is not out for the season. He is out for the Correct. next three weeks. Correct. He was actually on the practice field today uh, practicing in, in a limited format, essentially. Uh, whether or not by NFL rules you call it practice, but he was out there uh, you know, working on his game. So I think the expectation 
is that week four, there's a very good chance he's out there. They're being cautious. It's a neck injury from what we understand. And uh, I think there's a good chance we see him week four, uh, I believe, against Houston uh, in a very mobile Deshaun Watson at quarterback there. So it would, it would probably be helpful to have him uh, there for that game. Yeah, and, and I think to me the biggest the biggest indicator that it's not going to be a super long-term injury is he's on the practice field. I would think that if it's a very serious neck injury, he wouldn't be stretching, he wouldn't be doing these things in the practice field. He'd be more in closed doors with more targeted rehab. Um, yeah. Again, conjecture, but it just reads to me like he's close enough to coming back that they're confident that three, four weeks he should be back. Yes, sir. Um, so that, you know, those are kind of the main additions. And then uh, coaching, we've got uh, Kevin Stefanski is out, got the uh, head coaching job at Cleveland, something that was probably expected uh, for him to leave the squad. Uh, Gary Kubiak coming in and, and taking over the play calling offensive coordinator, something that he had been resistant to uh, over the years, but decided that he wanted to do it this year. Sounds like he's going to call plays from up in the booth. Uh, obviously someone that's got a couple rings, I believe, at least one, if not a couple, uh, knows how to call plays. So feel pretty good there. I, I got to believe he's committed to the run and Delvin, uh, which Zim is going to love. And then speaking about Zim, he brought in Don Capers uh, as, as a special defensive assistant or some sort of crazy title. The NFL has all these unique titles. Um, at first, I was a little like, what the hell are we doing? But then the more you've read and heard about it, uh, it's actually someone that's got a lot of experience and has seen how systems have worked and aged over the years uh, and has some creative ways to really refresh uh, systems where teams might be able to figure out what you're doing and you become predictable. And I think you look at the, the NFC Championship game against the Eagles. You look at McVay against us uh, a while back. You look at uh, mm-hmm. not so much the San Francisco game maybe, but uh, there are certainly ways that teams I think have been able to, in big games, pinpoint what Zim might be doing on defense. And I think that he's looking at this as a way to possibly get around that or avoid that. You know, right? Just just another voice in that room saying, "Okay, you've you've been doing this a little bit too much. This is a little more predictable. This read right here, that this look that you're giving, is a little bit uh, predictable of what what these guys are going to be doing. And you know, maybe if you did this blitz instead from this look, and just kind of change, just those that different idea, different perspective, like you said, of all that experience. Um, it, it definitely can't hurt to have that voice in the room. Um, and you know, we're probably going to see, you know little bits and pieces of that early on because it seems like every couple of years Zim's kind of just adds different wrinkles and kind of tweaks some different things so um gonna be fun to see what the, this next twist is gonna be yeah uh and then you've got uh defensive coordinators you've, you've got i believe uh patterson and his son uh or zim's son is adam zimmer uh yeah i think are named co-defensive coordinators so uh I wouldn't I expect much of a change there, but you I, never know. I don't, I don't, I don't get why we have co-defensive coordinators. That just, that's just weird. It could but, be a title thing. Yeah, you know. I mean, it, it could have been like Patterson wanted to have that title, and I don't know. I don't know if it, if it's working for them. Who are we to judge? I just want Patterson to stay in this building because he's one of the best D line coaches in the league, and as long as he stays here, I don't care what the hell his title is. Right. Um. So yeah, so those are the coaching changes are the most important ones. And then 
uh, kind of bringing us to maybe the last piece, which actually a couple weeks ago looked like it might be even a bigger uh, yeah. change than it ended up being. Uh, we've got a little bit of a different O-line coming into this year, and, and I'll kind of pass it off to you to uh, you know speak to that. I mean, obviously the O-line has been a work in progress for several years here. It's it's you know I don't think we've had a good one for probably close to a decade, if not longer. Um, been a, been a turnstile of player after player after player. Um, this year is no different because for whatever reason, which I don't understand, we cut Klein. Um, still don't really understand that move because I thought he was one of the, the better performing interior linemen of this line in 2019. But regardless, as you said, Reef, we um, gave him an ultimatum basically saying we're going to cut you or you're going to have to take a pay cut. Ended up taking, I think it was a $5 million or something pay cut. Um, so my guess is this is probably his last year in purple. And if he would have walked, he probably would have been signed very quickly because he's still a starting caliber left tackle. You can you can roast me all you want for all his misses, but in games, he does not give up much pressure. When you go up against a top competition, yes, he's not elite, so he's going to give up some pressure. But it's hard to find a good left tackle. Um as far as the interior goes, Garrett Bradbury, center, still our guy, second-year center, hoping he put on a little bit more strength and can handle his bull rushes just a little bit better, hoping he's got more experience with the system and has a little bit better. But um, I think he had a very decent first year, so I'm looking for a little bit more growth in the second year. Um, Elfline switches sides from left guard to right guard, and this is not a foreign position to him. He's played it in college. So hopefully, hopefully this is the position for him and he can excel in this position. I'm not super hopeful. I think this could easily be Elfline's last year as well. Um, another guy, Dakota Dozier, he's been on the team for several years. He's going to be filling a left guard spot. No Ezra Cleveland yet, but from what it looked like in camp, Ezra, Ezra Cleveland was mostly playing in the left guard spot. So barring any injuries, I wouldn't expect him to really push for that starting job just yet, but if you get an injury to Dozier, expect to see Cleveland in there. And it very well could be a situation like O'Neal when he first started is he got in there for an injury and didn't let it go. And then, as we all know, our boy, the man, Brian O'Neal, on the right tackle side, staying at right tackle, not switching to left tackle, because that's crazy. Don't do that. That's stupid. Don't do that. Don't do that, Mike. Uh, and I guess quickly going back to Cleveland, uh, my understanding is that he is more of a O'Neal type build, right? More of an athletic, uh, kind of a, not your typical, uh, O-line build, right? A guy that is able right. to get downfield and, okay. Yeah. Which, which, which fits what we're trying to build here, right? So that, that's also Bradbury's profile a lot. Elfline is a little bit more of that athletic type. So, what we're trying to do is that zone run scheme where you're, where you're not only just pass blocking, but you're getting out in space, getting to the second level, and, and creating yeah. blocks downfield. Um, so I'm expecting good things from Ezra. Everything I see from him has been good. He just isn't quite, probably isn't quite there strength-wise yet to crack the opening lineup. Um, but one more point on O'Neal. When everyone says, oh, he needs to switch to left tackle because that's that's the more important one, where does the Neil Hunter line up? He lines up across from a right tackle. Okay. Left tackle is not the most important position in football. Left tackle and right tackle are pretty much interchangeable from a standpoint of importance. The only difference is is 
one Kirk doesn't isn't actually looking straight at it, and the other one he is. Right. So, as far as rushers against you go, it's it's pretty similar to the amount of talent you're going to be facing against that. And having a guy switch from left side to right side is a bit like changing writing hands. It's very difficult if they're not used to it. So if he's excelling at right tackle, you keep him at right tackle and you try to find someone that's decent at left tackle. Sure. Stop trying to move O'Neal. I'll get off my soapbox now. There you go. Um, yeah, I guess, I mean, anything else that jumps out to you from that offseason? Uh, I don't know. I mean, contract-wise, we didn't really do well. Reef restructured. Um, Reef restructured. Well, we extended Kirk, didn't we? Yep, that was way early. Yeah, that was way early. That was. Yeah. Um. um let me bring it up. Dalvin here. still uh, no new deal, but it sounds like we'll not be holding out. Uh, Dalvin's it, agent is also just a moron, by the way. Just in case you didn't know. <laughs> Um, you know, you and I were talking and, and we could do a whole show on this. And actually, I think you, you have a niche of people that would love to hear about it. But um, I think it'll be a very intriguing offseason after this year because you've got a lot of veteran guys that uh, if they want to be here, I think uh, probably are going to need to try to look at restructuring to help the team. Uh, but, you know, that's a long way to go. And, and hopefully we've got maybe a Super Bowl ring uh, before we need to have that conversation. Yeah, I think the only other big thing for contract-wise is Anthony Harris on um, the franchise tag. Sure. Uh, that's about the only other big move we've done. Um, so it, it pretty pretty milquetoast offseason for the cap reasons, but we didn't really have a lot to spend. We were just trying to adjust to get enough working cap to, to be able to start the season. Um, like I always say, everyone doesn't quite realize exactly what it takes to start the season. It takes about an extra $4.5 of cap space to actually start the season because you actually have to have in that cap number all your practice squad, um, the 52nd and 53rd contracts, and anyone on I- on IR. So it's about $4.5 million, give or take, to do that. Um, so when people see, oh, we have we have $3 million left in cap, we should go sign someone. No, not exactly. That's not quite how that works. <laughs> <laughs> but... I think that covers the offseason, Mike. Um, so if we go a short little break here, and then let's, we can start in on, on the Vikings season preview and the Packer preview. All right, Mike. We're back. Are you we're ready? Are, are you ready? Are you ready to go in on some Vikings preview here? We're done I with the recap. Ready. Mike, football's back, buddy. Football's back. It's Are you true. excited? Are you excited? I am. I need some more points scored in this game. I don't think it's going to happen unless Kelsey gets like three touchdowns, which I would not be mad at. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's uh, let's do kind of you know we got about half the show left here. Let's do. What are you thinking? Kind of a, a quick and dirty prediction for the Vikes this year. Yeah. Let's uh, let's kind of go through, kind of break down the games a little bit, and just kind of see what we're thinking. Broad strokes on the schedule. Um, obviously, we're not going to go too in depth week to week, but um, you know, Vikings sit here at a week seven buy, so fairly early buy. Not quite ideal for what you want, but this year's going to be weird anyway. Um, start off playing Green Bay. That's you know, that's a week one. 
Yeah, it's a huge game, and I think we're going to go through that here next. Uh, but I, I think, <laughs> obviously, playing Green Bay is always of vital importance with them being kind of the, the kings of the north with you know Minnesota mixing in a little bit here and there. But um, certainly they've, they've had rain for some time, and Rodgers has been a problem and, and caused issues for not only our team but many teams across the league for many years. So uh, it's a great way for rookies to kind of, come out and see what they're made of. They're going to get a great test. And uh, for a Minnesota team with a lot of new faces, new coaches, new moving parts, we're going to know right where we sit and how far we got to go uh, here mm-hmm. in, in just a couple of days. Yeah, so then following that, we start off playing um, the Indianapolis Colts, which we play the entire AFC South, I believe, this year. Um, so that is Tennessee, Jacksonville, Houston, Indianapolis. Personally, I think the only team that could give us significant trouble is Houston with Watson. I think every other team there I'm not super scared of. Uh, I don't know where you're feeling on that, but um, I think we match up fairly well with all these teams, and we should be able to, to get at least 3-1 and one out of uh, that entire AFC South division. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Jacksonville, right, uh, you don't, you're not too concerned about, but I, I will say... Uh, Tennessee, a team that a lot of a lot of uh, analysts really like this year, they they made quite the run, almost uh, got to the Super Bowl. Uh, India, a team that just brought in Philip Rivers, and well, you know, I'll, I'll just don't. Last time we played Philip Rivers, I think we picked him off like five times. So yeah, I, I'm just just saying that they, you know, probably felt last year that when they lose luck out of nowhere, and um, a team that a lot of people felt had Super Bowl potential before luck retires. Uh, they're going to have a lot of high hopes this year, so they're not going to be a, it's, I don't think it's going to be an easy win. And and then Houston, Deshaun Watson, a, a team that tends to go way up and down. You know, they're either there and they're playing 35, 45 points a week, or they come out like they are right now. Uh, and they've got a seven spot up with, you know, 10 minutes left in the, the fourth quarter. So, I don't know. I guess I, I probably view it as a little bit more difficult than you are, um, but we'll see. Should be some good tests there. Um, so NFC rotation, we play the NFC South. It's the South of the South we play this this um, this year on rotation. So that's Carolina, Atlanta at home, and New Orleans, Tampa Bay away. Um, obviously, Carolina, we're going to see friendly face in Teddy Bridgewater. Atlanta, Natty Ice, unless you know injuries happen. Um, Tom Brady, Tampa Bay, away, which I'm really hoping when the stadiums are open up by that because I wanted to get to that game, even more so because Tom Brady's going to be there. It would be a great game to go to. And at New Orleans, um, there's some tough games here. There's some really tough games here. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Tampa Bay, a, a team that a lot of guys are picking to not only go to the Super Bowl but win it. Uh, New Orleans, another team that people are picking to win a Super Bowl. Anytime you have multiple teams uh, out of a division that could go, much less be projected to win, it's it's a dangerous division. Uh, I believe I saw Ben Lieber predicted Atlanta to go to the Super Bowl today on, on KFAN. Okay, so Lieber. that's a third team. Uh, and then uh, Carolina, uh, certainly a, a young team with McCaffrey, DJ Moore, Teddy Bridgewater, uh, new coach there, so you know they're probably going to, you know, come out and, and and play hard, and you know certainly 
be competing for probably a playoff spot. So, uh, yeah, another difficult division. You know, it, it's it's going to be a test week in and week out in the NFL, and it, it usually is. But it seems like this week or this year uh, in particular, we've we've got kind of the gauntlet to go through. Yeah, it's uh, NFC is going to be a tough tough list for us to go through because. The next games we have are the NFC same place finisher games, which for us, do I have that right? Dallas. Dallas. And Seattle. Seattle. So we host Dallas, but we have to go to Seattle again. (laughs) I wish they could just give us an L so we don't have to worry about getting someone hurt, not play the game, and just move on. Well, okay. Okay. Okay, Mike. At least it's not on Monday Night Football, okay? Yeah, that's true. I, mean, I think we did we did pretty good there last year. Did we win? No. no. We're getting better. We're getting better. At least we didn't fire our, our uh, offensive coordinator after last year. Yeah, that's true. Um, so, yeah, so in case anyone's wondering why we're playing Seattle again, away, um, it's all rotational-based, so... The first time we played Seattle in this three-game set was due to the NFC normal rotation. So we were playing the entire NFC West. The second time we played Seattle, which was last year, was um, we played the West same-place finisher on an away rotation. And the way that works is we play the West in an away situation twice in a row before that flips again. All right. So last year... In 2018, we finished the same spot as Seattle, so we played them in 2019. 2019, we finished the same spot as Seattle, so we played them in we played them in 2020. It is guaranteed, guaranteed, Mike, that we will host Seattle in 2021. We will not be going to Seattle in 2021 unless hey, some really, really crazy shit happens. So it's about to come to an end. Thank God. We're gonna get out of Seattle. I swear. But, again, you're going up against Dallas, who is just loaded up to the teeth in weapons this year on both sides of the ball. And then you got Seattle, which is always a squirrely team at Seattle. These are going to be some really tough games. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we lose both of these, but I, I'm hoping to at least get one of them. Yeah, I mean, I think for me it's, it's difficult because – you're coming into this COVID year where teams didn't get a chance to play. The Vikings have a fair amount of new rookie injected youth. Um, but it seems like a lot of teams had somewhat of substantial changes, right? And everyone's coming in with not a lot of practice. And I think just it's such an unknown. I, I wouldn't be surprised if if in Arizona or a team that a lot of people didn't really think was going to be a factor, all of a sudden comes out and makes the playoffs or, you know, wins a division. Uh, you know, it's it's just a weird year. And so I think it's difficult to go game by game at this point. And that's really why I have so much empathy. I'm going to learn so much uh, week one against Green Bay. Right. Because right now it's just, it's just hard to know where we're at. Yeah, and I'll agree. And I'll just pin that uh, that Arizona thing because I – that's low key one of my one of my teams to watch this year. I mean, you yeah. got Nuck Hopkins, you got Aaron. Uh, Aaron I mean, you Murray. had him in the Super Bowl too. Kyler Murray. So I mean, it's 
that that team that team's gonna make some waves. I mean, maybe they won't quite get there, but you know, just watch out for Arizona. They, they could be they could be dangerous this year. But I, I think you're absolutely right. There's so much turmoil this year. I don't remember so many big names moving teams um, in any offseason like like it has been this year. So there there's a lot of teams and a lot of these these veteran you know household names that are moving teams and you just look at some of these guys like 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 Breda he's no longer with San Francisco and I look at that and I'm like wait he's not he's with Miami now wait Brady Brady Tampa, now Cam yeah you Teddy got, Cam Foles. Teddy Foles. Foles isn't even starting <laughs> you know, don't don't worry it's... you know Trubisky's gonna get injured and Foles is gonna come in and, and tear us to shreds again it's gonna be fine yeah. it's it's gonna be fine like it's it's fine it's fine. It's fine. I'm not. I'm not bitter at all. It's fine. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I, I'm with you there. I think it's gonna be a really weird year, and I think it's gonna be whoever kind of had the best practices and the best plan to make that as real as possible. I think you're gonna be able to see that really clearly. Yeah. Right out of the gate, and some of the some of these uh, a lot of these shuffles. So just watch it the first couple of weeks because I think we're gonna learn a lot in the first couple of weeks of of how. These this new kind of weird offseason has has worked out for a lot of teams. So so if you had to go if you had to give a record, um, you know we, we kind of did the brief overview. What's your your gut on on our record? Um, I think I think we take four and two in the division, and I think the rest of the games I had at six and four. So I I'm looking at ten and six. Uh, you know maybe a little bit more depending upon if you get lucky in some of those or. Um, you know, if some of those teams' changes don't quite pan out the way we think, but I'm feeling like a ten and six feels pretty good. Um, competing for the division, depending upon what kind of lucky breaks other teams get in the division, but it feels about right for what this roster is, and and kind of for the the gauntlet of the schedule we have in some of these games. Yeah, so I'm going to take a little bit more of an optimistic view, and the the reason I'm doing so is we actually we play a lot of older quarterbacks this year, right? Uh, Rodgers twice, you get uh, Breeze, Brady, uh, Rivers. You know, you're, you're getting guys that are not that mobile. Um, and I think that when you can get pressure to them, we saw it in the playoffs against Breeze, right? They can get frustrated. We've seen it before with Rodgers. Uh, they can get frustrated. And so I kind of like, I sneakily like the way that it laid out a little bit on some of those games. Obviously, yeah. you do have some quarterbacks that can move. Uh, but the nice thing is Trubisky is one of them, you know, and he's terrible. You know, I would assume Foles will start one of those games, if not both, honest to God, by that time. But uh, I'm going to be a little more optimistic, and I'm going to sway towards that 11-5 and five mark. Uh, I think the rookies are really going to step up, and I think that the Vikings actually benefit from no fans for this early part of the season. Uh, and then if we do shift to more fans as it goes, that's one thing, but... Um, I don't know. I'm going I'm to be a little optimistic going into week one. Why not? I like it, Mike. I like it. So you're projecting 11-5, and five and that's enough to take the division? Oh, yeah. It's enough to take division. Yep, All for right. sure. All right. So, yeah, I, I think that's it's good. I'm at 10-6. and six, You're 11-5. Um, yeah, again, it's 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 going to be completely wild until we kind of see things shake down and calm down a little bit in the first couple of weeks. Um, People say they don't want the preseason, but I think you're going to realize real quick how valuable that preseason is just to get some live reps in some of these rookies. So, um, yeah, first couple of series, don't panic. Okay, I just, I just don't panic. 
I, I need I need every one of you listening right now to, to make a promise to yourself that you're not going to panic when teams run down the field or when Green Bay charges down the field the first series against this new Vikings defense. Don't panic. Okay? They're just settling in. They're young kids. They'll get there. Don't panic. Or as Rodgers would say, relax. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? I got you. All right. So, quick and dirty season. That's what that is. Well, that was not very quick and dirty, but Packers preview. Let's get into that quick, Mike. We're running out of time. I know. Uh, yeah, Green Bay. So, I guess a uh, big thing to know about them. Similar team to last year. Uh, their draft picks, they had a first-round pick. They selected quarterback uh, Jordan Love, a guy that I actually uh, kind of liked and thought maybe with Minnesota having two picks in the first, they might have entertained. Uh, obviously, as you can imagine, that did not go well with Green Bay fans. And then it proceeded to get worse when they took a running back in the second uh, in A.J. Dillon, a essentially tight end, more fullback in the third. Uh, and then they took a linebacker, Kamal Martin, out of uh, Minnesota for you Minnesota Gopher fans in the fifth round, who actually looked uh, probably the best of those first four picks in preseason and was maybe even going to be the starter for them before uh, tearing his menis- meniscus and being out for a few weeks. So uh, Green Bay, what's that? Mike, real quick, um, they had they had a lot of wide receiver problems last year. They they surely must have drafted at least at least one wide receiver in like round seven, right? I do not believe they drafted a wide receiver. They, wait a minute. So the team and the fans of which were complaining about wide receivers the entire year did not draft a single wide receiver in a wide receiver loaded draft. Are they you serious? Not. Are you serious? Uh, yeah, they they did not. So yeah. Uh, wow, okay. Actually, a great transition into what I was going to say, where um, basically unanimously uh, Green Bay had the worst draft on paper by almost every analyst, major publication. They were getting not only Fs, but F minus. You know, they were going that extra route to really say, what the hell are you doing? Uh Clearly, the coaching staff is is thinking for the future. But when you have a team that was a game away from the Super Bowl, uh, I think you know I can even understand as a fan base that why wouldn't you try to inject a little bit more life and get us over to that, you know, just a little bit more of that hill. Uh, didn't do so. Uh, so Rogers said that he drank four fingers of tequila <laughs> that night, uh, which you can understand why. But. Uh, very similar Green Bay team. Uh, they did sign Devin Funches, a wide uh, wide receiver uh, through free agency, but then he actually opted out for COVID. So <laughs> it's going to look very familiar to, to Vikings fans from a player standpoint. Uh, only difference is going to be, I think you're going to have a much more motivated Aaron Rodgers. I do feel like that is almost becoming, we're exhausting that narrative a little bit, but uh, you know, you do have the added, hey, we drafted a, a rookie quarterback. We drafted the future this year. Uh, Rodgers also is on record saying that he's healthy uh, and that his arm isn't hurting him sore for the first time in 16 years. Take that with a grain of salt again, obviously. But um, I think week one, knowing that the eyes are on them, knowing they won 13 football games last year. Uh, I mean, hey, they swept us last year. It's a, it's a good football team still, and it's a rivalry. So we're going to be in for a, a slugfest on, on Sunday. 
like I always say, you'll hear me say it every single time we're playing a divisional opponent. Weird things happen in divisional games, okay? It doesn't matter how bad the other divisional opponent is. Weird things happen in a, in a, a team that you play twice a year. Um, so expect the unexpected. This game could get wild. Um, yeah. I don't uh, know. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. Again, they swept us last year. Uh, week or week two, I was at that game at Green Bay. Uh, we were down like 21, 28, nothing. Came all the way back, got inside the 10. Delvin was literally running all over them, and we decided to pass on first down, and Cousins threw that fade. Uh, there was a miraculous interception that I still don't think was an interception. If you watch the replay, I'm not sure how they reviewed that and still didn't overturn it. Anyways... That could be an entire podcast on why the hell you're not running the ball there. You right. have four chances. Yeah. Run the damn ball. Run the damn. Yeah. Run the run the run the damn ball. Uh, and then you have, I think it was week sixteen last year. It was late in the year. Uh, they came here. Dalvin. It was one of the two games Dalvin missed, and uh, Green Bay played a really really strong game, and they just basically blew us out. I think it ended up being like twenty seven ten or. Um, Green Bay did tack a little bit on late, but, uh, hey, they went 2-0 against us, won the division, uh, ended up playing San Francisco right after San Fran beat us. I will say, if there's ever any silver lining, that we played San Francisco considerably better. Uh, we were not down 35 nothing at halftime like they were, but, uh, yeah, good football team. And uh, these two teams know each other really well. Zim knows Rodgers, Rodgers knows Zim, so... Uh, I don't know. I don't know what else you're going to say, right? It's it's going to be a familiar matchup, but mm-hmm. Minnesota has more unknowns, and so I think the fact that Minnesota is favored right now, you know, if I'm a betting man, I'm probably going to take the points with Green Bay. Uh, I mean, it's, it's it's two and a half. So basically, what they're saying is, is you know, a lot of people say that Vegas odds gives you a field goal when you're at home. It's more closer to two two and a half points. So they're saying these teams are pretty equal, yeah. and right now I. Also, maybe say that the Vikings are slightly favored because I got to imagine that home advantage is not quite as big with the, without the crowd being there. Right. So, I, I don't know. It's like you said; th- these are these are two very good football teams. They both went pretty damn far in the playoffs and had some really good good showings in the playoffs. So, um, it, it's it's going to be a good game no matter what no, no matter what way you look at it. It's it's a border battle. It's a division rival. It's Vikings football. It's back. Yeah, and I, I think. I guess a couple of keys to the game for me are going to be uh, really to weather the storm early, right? Uh, I think that ideally I'd love if Minnesota got the football and was able to come out and, and uh, you know, kind of go down, go down a little bit of a drive, uh, get everyone going, get Delvin going, get a couple of catches of Thielen, maybe throw some points mm-hmm. on the board uh, and allow those rookies to catch, them bre- catch their breath a little bit from that opening, whoa, we're playing an NFL game. Move that defense out, uh, and hopefully, you know, have a good start. I think that worst case scenario is Green Bay takes the ball, Rodgers comes out, starts going after the Gladneys, starts going after uh, Dancers, even starts mm-hmm. going after Hughes, Hill. They're a lot of inexperience. We don't get pressure. They go down, they score. Now you're down seven nothing. Vikes come out, go three and out, and now rookies starting to feel pressure, and, and that's a situation that I just don't want us to get into. Uh, so. You know, I think weathering the storm early is going to be a key for me. Obviously, the secondary goes without saying. Uh, and then lastly, I think we're going to have to get some pressure, right? 
Uh, you can't let Rodgers sit back and, and pass against us. That's been the thing for a while, even with Everson Hunter uh, going back to, uh, you know, I think even like the Jared Allen days and, and just having the ability to get to him uh, is huge. Yeah, so, the, the, the best coverage on Rodgers is the pass rush. Right, right. Because so, he's, he's going to find places to put that ball, so you got to make sure he doesn't have the option to. Yep, yep. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's kind of where I'm at. I don't know if you've got anything. It's hard to say when there's no preseason, uh, nothing jumps out at us. Obviously a, a majority of the Vikings, um, offensive defense is going to be similar outside of the rookie play that we just touched on. Uh, I guess the, maybe the only other thing lastly would be the BC Johnson, uh, Justin Jefferson show, you know, they're going to have an opportunity to come out and, uh, make some catches and then they can't turn the ball over. Right. Uh, you, yeah, you gotta, gotta make sure. We can't be making mistakes against uh, this team. So, oh my God, I almost just got the most lucky cover in my life. They almost they got an onside kick, and the guy almost returned it for a touchdown. All right, well, bet- betting Mike here is is, uh, is is getting close to going crazy here, but um, I'll I will add two points to that. So, one on the offensive side of the ball, you got Irv Smith Jr. Um, he's he's coming in second year. I expect him to get a lot more involved this year. Um, kind of used sparingly last year, kind of finding his footing, but like, I think without the Diggs and Thielen pair and not having that true second guy, you might see a lot more utilization of Irv Smith to kind of just get some weird rail combinations, try to open up some space across the middle. And the second thing for me is on the defense, the safeties are the great erasers, right? You got Harris and Smith, right? Those two guys have been playing together for quite a long time. They they know how each other acts. They kind of know what they're doing and, and kind of the, the chess moves that they like to do. So having those guys back there erasing some of the mistakes that the cornerbacks make is going to be very critical because the cornerbacks, I expect to make mistakes. But if right. the two safeties are there to limit those mistakes and potentially even get in there, get a pass breakup when one of them is out of position, something like that, um, I think that's going to be a, a huge key to this game if we want to be successful because – Let's be clear here. You got second and first year guys that are on um, that that you're starting cornerbacks. That's right. not ideal, but that's what you got. That's what you got to roll with. And any way that you can erase that pass rush or the safeties, that's gonna be that's gonna be bonus. Yeah, uh, I mean, with that, what are you thinking, man? Week one, out of nowhere, haven't seen any tape. What's your prediction? Twenty-seven, twenty-four Vikes. 27-24 Vikes. Dan oh, Bailey kicks boy. a 53-yarder at, uh, at as time expires to take us up to 27. I So, betting me, like I said, the smart play is probably to take the points in Rodgers, no Hunter. But you know what? It's week one. It's a new season. Anything goes. 2020's been crazy. I think I'm going to go Dan Bailey wins it 20-17 to 17 on mm. a Bailey 45-yarder. Wow. We both have Dan Bailey being the savior of the day. Yeah. All right. I, I think that's as good as a way to end, to end the show. Um that's it. That's your catch-up. That's your preview for Green Bay. It's going to be exciting week. Football is back. I know you're excited. I'm excited. 
Um, just go out there and get this W, Mike. Let's do it. Skull. Skull.